From sprains to fractures, get expert care quickly at the University of Kansas Health System. Walk-in orthopedic care is open weekdays, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 to 2 at I-435 and Null. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. Watching the Kansas City Chiefs defense today, I've got to say, my heart grew at least three sizes. The Kansas City Chiefs are victorious over the Seattle Seahawks. A game they needed to win, but a game that they won in a convincing fashion. Yes, the offense sputtered in the second half, but here today I think this will be a a tale of Christmas joy, defensive growth, young corners, and the ability to not be a Grinch about an imperfect football game. Welcome into the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Sometimes it really pays to watch the video feed. We'll figure out where we go from here over the course of today's show. The Drake on the other side of the glass. Dylan Michaels producing around here as well. 24-10 to 10, the final. Thought we might get a little backdoor cover there. Would have been a nice little Christmas gift. But that's what I get for doubting the Chiefs in December. Yeah, of course, they've had some games of... I would say substantial concern over the course of this month, but ultimately today we saw something we haven't seen from this team in quite a while. Not just, you know, an occasional bomb the Travis Kelsey that makes you feel pretty good about where the offense can be when necessary, and not just the issues here and there. But I saw a defense today that was absolutely hitting people, thumping dudes. All of these young corners putting on an absolute clinic in space today. We talked about this on The Zone on Friday. Legereus Sneed following DK Metcalf around and putting up a good effort in that. Defensively, the linebackers, Willie Gay, whenever he is at his best, he is excellent. Danny Shelton, that's my Christmas miracle, getting on the field and dropping in coverage. Not the most important part, but it was just fun to see him out there. This Seahawks team, I apologize not to give the bit away for anyone who wasn't watching on the video feed, but I may take some time over the course of the show today to pull some green fur out of my eyes or mouth or everywhere around me. Again, sometimes there are visual jokes in an audio medium. You probably figured it out. I'll tweet out a video later. But ultimately, if I was going to build you this case for, hey, the Chiefs are playing the best football in the AFC. First of all, I mean, uh, Buffalo ended up handling business, and by the end of it, they blew out the Chicago Bears. But that wasn't what it looked like in the first half. And if that was a Chiefs game, we'd be talking about why they didn't win by more sooner. If I'm going to build you a case for what the Chiefs can be at the top of their game, Super Bowl contender, AFC favorite, etc., This game today is where I might actually begin going forward. That could seem silly because the offense in the second half for a big stretch of that second half didn't look very good. Wasn't a whole lot of fun. Drops from Justin Watson. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, trying to drag his toes on the sideline. Overall, a lot of the secondary options not being as productive as you would like this receiver room to look altogether. But I'd point to this game, and I will think about this game the remainder of this regular season, frequently and fondly 
because of what it showed that the other side of the football could do. And other than having Legereus Sneed travel with DK Metcalf, which I do think is a noteworthy, interesting part of this game, other than that, this wasn't some like fundamental new thing from Steve Spagnuolo. Which goes back to something I've been saying for a little while now. This wasn't a coaching mispra- uh, malpractice issue. You can, There are plenty of places you can fairly criticize Spags. But I thought the biggest issue these last couple of weeks was that the tackling was poor, guys were out of position, and it felt like a passive brand of defense. I feel great about all that today because today I saw guys bringing the ball carrier down in space and by themselves and as the aggressors. Now maybe there was a coaching turn in there somewhere where where there there needed to be a moment of hey we we can't let we can't let everything come to us, right? Maybe that was philosophical. Maybe that was just young guys learning their confidence and understanding their own range. But seeing that look so fundamentally different today. An aggressive defense that went to the ball carrier and met them at their spot as opposed to waiting them to meet them at theirs. Bringing guys down again in space or, or at least like in that one Trent McDuffie play later in the game. I don't even know that he got credited with a tackle. Maybe he got half credit. I'm not even sure. But he ends up just being a blockade and not waiting for the tackle to come. They're not waiting for the, the ball carrier to come to him to make the tackle down there. Kind of break down in space and, you know, get the safest base you can and just try to corral him. McDuffie went to the ball carrier, slowed him down in the backfield, and the rest of the team came in and cleaned it up. And I was seeing that in multiple places today, which. My goodness, what a lovely change of pace for this Chiefs unit. So again, I think we will be able to pick some parts of this that didn't feel as fun because the offense wasn't as good as you'd like it to be. But here's my one thing on the offense. We're going to start taking some calls and and churn through today because Christmas Eve. Having a good time out here, but we'll, we'll, we'll get your calls early. Maybe that's my gift to you, the listeners, today, is we'll, we'll try to clear out these phones quicker than we usually get to them. But the offense sputtered. It had its issues with the sort of secondary options on this team. And then when it was like real go time, Patrick Mahomes made MVP plays. Travis Kelsey was open. For huge chunk plays. And that's what the offense can look like when you just roll out your Hall of Famers. That's why this is one of the most encouraging games of this Chiefs season to me, I think. is because I wasn't sure if we were going to see a defensive outing like we did today. I know that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey play for this football team. So I can only be so worried about the offense. Elements of it, absolutely. But really, I think the story of this game today is that the defense was really, really good. Garbage time touchdown and three points at the end of a drive that was kept alive by penalties. And I'll mention, Joshua Williams had a terrible drive there. The rest of the game, I, I think he held, he, he, he 
acquitted himself quite well. That's been his story this year. We went through those stats this week in, on The Zone on Friday. He was 11th in the NFL, and I think it was separation percentage allowed as a, as a corner. That's a good thing. Jim McDuffie was second. So Williams is where he needs to be, and, and the finer points of all of his, of his game just aren't fully perfected yet. I can live with that. I'd rather it be the way that it is than the inverse, where you go, oh man, he's got a lot of details, but he just can't ever stay on the honest guy. That guy's not in the league. Joshua Williams' game can evolve. He'll get better at that over time, I certainly expect. He's got a great coaching staff, specifically for the development of cornerbacks. I'm just very encouraged. Two-touchdown victory for the Chiefs. Really, this game felt like it should have been... I mean, if, if Justin Watson doesn't have that one rough drop, like the really rough one, the one on the end zone could have been on a little bit of both of those guys. There are some places where this offense takes one step further in its production today, and two different, I mean, garbage time, one penalty... That's all you need to, to say, oh, the Chiefs really just about pitched a shutout here. Merry Christmas. Let's take some calls. We'll open it up at the top with Butch. Butch, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Butch? Gentlemen, how about those Chiefs? How about them, Butch? Man, all right. This is what I wanted to see, okay? This is what I like to see. We all talk about the things that we liked from a Chiefs game. With a smile on our face now. Yep. Because we, a little bit of the fear about what this team was going to be when the playoffs come and how they were going to lose, at least for me, some of that anxiety is relieved a little bit. This is what I needed to see. Granted, not having Tyler Lockett for the Seahawks really helped, but what do they do? They come out, a lot of nickel and a lot of base, a little bit of base defense, and they relatively do well against the run because yards aren't going to get you points. Yards aren't going to beat you. So I like what they did there. And then they come back over the top. What do they do? They put their best corner outside on DK Metcalf. And he plays well. He mixes up his coverage. You look at the tape. Well, Ladarius Sneed, he's playing. looks like he's playing him off. Comes back to the line. Quick jam. Quick jam. Bail out. Bail turn with you back to the sideline. They gave him everything to sort of confuse that drop. And I think that kind of held, they kind of held the ball in Geno's hand. And you'll notice over the middle of the field, they didn't give up as much as they have in the past. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I'll be interested to see what the breakdown is going to be on that. Me too. All, all along, man. Just encouraging. I like what I saw there. It's a young defense. This could be the beginning of something where we see a slight turn for that uptick that we usually see from a back defense. And I'll say this much. I like Leo Chanel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like when he's on the field. He's, he's just fun to watch. And he's a hammer in the run game. Man, guys, get a little bit more excited, okay? This this is the upturn, the upswing that we're looking for. We start seeing a couple more possessions like this, a couple more games like this from the defense, and the offense keeps its foot on the pedal. They stay healthy. The whole world's right in front of us. Save the flavor. Appreciate it, Butch. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Also, Leah Chanel has has shown up a couple of times, especially these last two weeks, making some plays. I'm feeling it. I'm I'm. I want to be excited about more of the dudes on that defense, and I think we talked about the growing pains of this team. Here's the little, um, just the absolute little, just the big toe on the brake, just a little tap of the big toe on the brake pedal. Just the fact that the next couple of games, you've got AFC West rivals who haven't done much offensively for a little bit. Raiders have done more than the Broncos have. We'll see where Denver ends up. But I don't know that the Chiefs defense can completely prove that they're playoff ready before the playoffs, but if they can show what they showed today, if they can repeat that even to 
80% success over the rest of the year. Going into playoff time, I think we might start seeing a world where the Chiefs become larger favorites in the AFC than we would have expected because the defense, if it can just not be a liability, that's good enough. If it can be as good as it was today, that's something to build on. Next up, we're going to go to Rodney. Rodney, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Rodney? What's going on, Josh? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm going to piggyback on what Bush said. So I think a lot of people have to understand that, um, one, this is a, technically a rebuilt offense, and look what they can do with it. Mm. Dangerous. <laughs> 80% of that offense is what, there for the first time. <laughs> so, I mean, they they still trying to get things in order. And I can – if I'm guessing correctly, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs got the youngest defense that sits out there on the field, and that's literally they are literally thrown in the fire every yeah. single game, every single play. My hat goes off to them young guys. Keep playing, keep keep going. I mean, you're doing the best that you can. You're doing the best that you can, and and, and you know what? Things going to get better. I think things gotten better because Steve Spagnuolo is starting to get comfortable, mm. starting to unleash more. Because you're starting to see coverages being more. Like you say, LeJarrius Sneed is trailing. Yeah. A specific receiver. That means he's trusting everyone else in that in that secondary to cover, to do your job. Juan Thornhill, he's having more of that, that free safety role, just sitting back, playing that center field role, going back and forth, trusting your judgment. So we, and now he, he realizes, wait a minute, I do got a good – Young, young group here. I got, uh, I got two corners in the top fifteen when it comes to not allowing separation, and this is from all DBs in the NFL, mm-hmm. not just young guys. Mm-hmm. All of them, mm-hmm. two of them, you know, one of them in the late round, and one coming in my first round of coming off an injury. Come on now, you got to give these young guys credit. You know, we, we they said that at the beginning of the year they're gonna have growing pains. Yep. They they got to learn so one way or one, somehow. They gonna have to learn. Now, to me, I see them getting expensive later on, <laughs> but that's, that's later on down the road. That's a but good I problem, think, yeah. I say this is a great confident win for the defense, especially for the young guys. Hang their hat on it and get better from here. Because you're going to have a dogfight when it comes to the playoffs. You're right, that's Rod. Rodney, stay on, the, stay on the line for me here for just one second because I'd like to make you our caller of the game brought to you by Greengrass Cattle Company. You can visit their store in Weston, Missouri, off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch, or order online at greengrasscattleco.com, and they'll deliver right to your door. Um, I'm, I'm making Rodney our caller of the day uh, in part because, yes, I love that point. I, I love that point about the young guys in particular. This rookie class, and again, we, we talked about it early in the year. We talked about it. Early in the season, it was seeming like they were ahead of schedule, and then mid-season, it seemed like they were behind schedule, and right now, it's looking like, hey, hold on a second now. Maybe this is what this defense is supposed to look like. They were thrown into the fire. These were expected growing pains on the horizon. The whole point was, can they be in good enough shape by the postseason. That's really what it was always about. Survive the regular season, be really good by postseason time. Again, I'm going to mention this as just the little the little self-evaluation uh, of where we're at right now, I guess. Doing it once, and doing it once against the Seahawks, is not sufficient to say you are a uh, Super Bowl caliber defense. 
But even with that being said, okay, acknowledging that one game does not make a defensive rebuild complete, but you can't have a Super Bowl caliber defense without eventually having a game like this, and then it's about what happens next. But the Chiefs defense did everything you could have asked for today, minus a couple of untimely penalties that even then they only let turn into three points. That last touchdown in garbage time, everybody was everybody was gassed. Chris Jones was in a two-point stance on the edge, which kind of makes sense. They played a lot of snaps. The Seahawks were hustling, and Chris Jones is no longer ill, but I wonder what exactly his overall physical capacity is at, especially late in the fourth quarter, because he was feasting. He was, he was turning Geno Smith and that entire offensive line into some roast beast. Chris Jones did today. Next up, we go to Gary. Gary, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHD. What's up, Gary? Merry Christmas, Josh. To you as well. Watching the game today, I'm going to kind of veer away from you on the defense. I'm going to say a little bit cheese and a little bit ineptness on the Seahawks part, too, because they left a lot of players on the field, and had they used Kenneth Walker a little earlier, the game might have been a little different because he had a pretty good second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs got him a couple times, but he got them too. And but the offense too. And one thing, <clears throat> it seemed to me in the second half that when Pacheco would have a run of two or three yards on first down, that it, the run was done for that series. That it was time to just drop back and let Mahomes get the first down. Why does he do that? I want to know why he does that because it's just it's just head scratching. He abandons it because the guy picked up two or three yards. You're not going to get mm-hmm. seven eight yards of pop. You don't have Jim Brown back there. <laughs> But like I said, defensively, though, it's I think it was a little bit cheese and a little bit ineptness on the Seahawks' part. You saw a few plays there, like the one where uh, had Geno Smith just tucked the ball and run, he could have probably run for about 30, 35 yards. Instead, he decided to throw it with wide open grass in front of him. Yeah. But like I said, we'll, we'll see where this defense is at over the next two weeks when the Broncos, Matan, and we head to Las Vegas yep. because – I'm not ready to anoint this defense cured after sure. one game. Like I said, a little bit ineptness on the Seahawks, a little bit cheese, but I'll hang up and listen. Merry Christmas, Josh. Appreciate it, Gary. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. I don't, I don't really disagree with much of that. I mean, here's the thing. With with the Seahawks, the, they've, they have certainly slid since the midseason point when they look like a legit playoff team and Geno was playing like an MVP caliber football player. They scored 13 on the Niners last week. Uh, they lost to the Panthers, but they put up 24 the week before that. The Seahawks offense, especially without Tyler Lockett, Definitely limited. But we talk every bleeping week, it seems like. We talk about, man, I just wish the Chiefs could make their poorer opponent look like it, right? Don't play down to that level. Make them look inept. Make them look like they couldn't buy a point. And they did that today. So I, I think it's totally reasonable from Gary. I'm saying I said the same thing before Gary got on. Totally reasonable to say this this does not mean this problem is totally fixed. But I'm telling you. You gotta do it once before you can do it twice, before you can do it three times, before you can do it in the playoffs. So I think you can have some hesitance and still be very pleased with the gift the defense brought today, because that's just about all you could ask for. Back to the phones. Let's get Dan in here. Dan, what's going on? 
Hey, hey, Joshua, how you doing? I just got back from the bell, I was bell ring today at Cabell's. I, I saw the first staff at the Vine Box Barbecue. Yeah, just with the two touchdown lead, and I heard Juan uh, 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 Tornado by the interception of the game. And uh, I think I, I agree with you, Joshua. The defense is uh, getting getting good, you know. Let's keep it going against the Broncos, and let's see the Bengals beat the Broncos next Sunday. Take care of yourself, Joshua. You too, Dan. Appreciate you, as always. Uh, let's take a quick time out here on the Sports Radio 810 WHP postgame show. We'll come back and we'll bring you press conferences throughout the show from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and whoever else they bring out to the podium as we keep talking about the Chiefs' victory over the Seattle Seahawks here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB game show. It's presented by CBD American Shaman, and when Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Our team's score is your percent off. So here on this 24th day of December, they scored 24 points, so you get 24% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more. That's at CBD American Shaman. Life is better with the feather. This will be third down and five. Mahomes, clean pocket, delivers a strike near side. It's Kelsey, grabs it at the 20, dragging a defender all the way to the nine-yard line. Travis Kelsey was tremendous today in a couple of big spots. And that right there is our sweet play of the game brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Stop by any KC location for Travis Kelsey's 87 and running concrete and help raise money for this worthy cause. 87 and running and Andy's Frozen Custard, the perfect option play for KC fans everywhere. We'll hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and others at the podium momentarily. But in the meantime, Kadarius Tony already spoke in the locker room courtesy of our own own Todd Lebo will kick off our locker room report with the new Chiefs wide receiver making his return. A little bigger role here with Kadarius Tony. You uh, you getting used to this scoring touchdowns the NFL thing Uh, nah, it's still new a little bit, but just doing what I can right now. How'd that feel uh, to get back in the real flow offensively after the last week, kind of easing back in? Uh, I mean, it felt good. I mean, uh, much as I could contribute to the team, I mean, that's, that's my job. Take us through the touchdown, the call on the play, and, and take us through. Uh, well, it was an obvious like reverse pass, you know, whatever, like kind of. But uh, just when I got the ball, I just did what I did best, like just find a way in the end zone. You played your college in Florida. You're not used to these temperatures. Where does this one rank in terms of cold, cold weather games for you? Uh. <laughs> I would say I had on a lot of stuff though, so I ain't really, yeah, I wasn't really cold, but uh, yeah, it got to be the cold as I played, yeah, yeah. Did you see the Seattle guys, some of those guys out there with shirts off in warm-ups? Yeah, you didn't w- think about doing that one? No. For what? <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to be tough and, you know, uh, whatever, but, you know, see the result. What jersey did you grab? Let's see you got a jersey there. Oh, this is my, uh, my former teammate, Stone Forsythe. Uh, there are two, two games left, man. What's the message for? Uh, really just keep building. You know, we we on a roll. We trying to, uh, you know, we got a goal at the end of the year, and we just trying to get that right now. What's the process been like battling back from that hamstring? Uh, it's been kind of tough, you know. Some days feel good, some days bad. I just try to make every day a good day, you know what I'm saying? I try to turn the, the negative to a positive all the time. But uh, it's been a process, and can't complain up until this point, you know. Was it hard to keep it warm on a day like today? Uh, nah, not really. When you're moving around a little bit, yeah, you, you good. There's Canarius Tony. They wanted to look tough out there for what? The Seahawks receivers warming up shirtless. Like, it's mind over matter. Whatever they needed to do, fine. But look at the result, like Kadarius Tony says. That is just kicking off our locker room report here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, all presented by Twin Peaks. Good stuff there from Kadarius Tony, and just good in general for him to get back into the flow of the offense. There was uh, um, the 
sort of scripted touches, is my assumption, for Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony early in the game, getting them back into the flow a little bit. There are continually sort of those questions about who the Chiefs are using at the wide receiver position. And I, look, I mean, maybe there was a reason Forrest Gump wasn't a professional wide receiver. It's the nickname that Patrick Mahomes gave to Justin Watson. That's sort of unfair, but he had a really tough game today. And meanwhile, you have guys like Tony and like Sky Moore who you think might be able to bring another element to this offense. I mean, we've seen them bring another element to this offense, but both of them are relatively new, Tony even more so, and Tony is at least an NFL veteran. Sky Moore here is a rookie. I mean, Tony's no old man, certainly. He's on his rookie contract still, but it's not his first go-round in the league. So that becomes sort of the, the question about, how the personnel all meshes together. Also, pass along, good news for the Chiefs, no new injuries to report. I I really, look, we've done this post-game show for some weird games these last couple of weeks, and, and you, if you're a regular listener of this show, you know I'm, I'm not afraid to start with the thing that I'm worried about or nervous about or less confident in from the negative for the Chiefs perspective, even in a win. But in a game like this today, and maybe it's just the Christmas spirit, but in a game like this, I just I saw much more of the positives rising to the top than I than I did of the negatives that concern you. And in part, maybe it is kind of going back to the conversation of what exactly can you rely on? Wow, I'm looking right now. I'm getting a closer look at this. I think Juju Smith-Schuster and I might literally be wearing the same costume. I saw what he wore in today, and then I opened a present from my mom. Which, if you haven't seen the video feed yet, right now it's kind of ghoulish. It looks like I have... Currently, the video feed looks like I killed the Grinch and brought him home as a trophy. (laughs) That's not the goal of the costume. (laughs) But Juju showed up and had to tell Grinch where... And then uh, after that tweet went out today, I, I, uh, my mom told me to go ahead and go ahead and make one of those a Christmas Eve present. And so now here we are. So thank you, mother, for this wonderful, this wonderful visual gag in this audio medium. I'm taking a closer look at Juju's outfit, and I think it's legit the exact same one. So apparently, my mom and Juju Smith-Schuster are shopping at a lot of the same places. That shouldn't surprise me for either of them. They've got good fashion sense. Where'd you think I got it from? Anyway. The rest of the AFC, by the way, it got it got tense uh, and, and ultimately didn't end up doing the Chiefs any, any real favors uh, around the league real quick. Just the Bills were down at the half against the Bears, end up winning that game in a blowout. Uh, and meanwhile, in Foxborough, it was really rough early on. The Bengals went to half up over the Patriots, 22 to nothing. This game ends 22 to 18. As I'm, I'm putting into context these conversations we've been having these last couple of weeks, the idea of like, hey, the Chiefs are flawed. Are they going to be able to survive this? That's a very different game than are you paying attention to the rest of the league right now? Where a terrible Patriots team really made the Bengals sweat after they put up a 22-0 lead in the first half. Sounds pretty familiar to me for the Chiefs and the Broncos. On the other side of the top of the standings, the Bills come out really flat. Against the Bears, Josh Allen has a bad pick, and that team looks imperfect, despite being a really good football team. And that, to me, is an important context to keep in mind 
as we try to figure out what exactly the Chiefs are good enough to accomplish. And in this case, after a game like this today, I think you should be left feeling plenty of optimism, frankly. And look around the rest of the AFC, and and I don't know who will be representing the conference in the Super Bowl. Could be anybody. If you said that Lamar Jackson came back and the Ravens made a run, they clinched a playoff spot today with the Patriots losing to the Bengals. If you said suddenly the Ravens were the representative in the AFC, there are enough weird paths for weird things to happen. Dak Prescott just threw an unacceptable interception to a defensive end who housed it. That's in a game without Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, by the way. Josh Schwett. Just, I don't, I don't know what Dak just did. And like, I mentioned that, not because it's relevant to the, uh, to the Chiefs, but because it's relevant to how the NFL is working right now. Gardner Minshew's Eagles are up 10-0 on the Cowboys, or they're about to do with the PAT. And Frank Clark is at the podium now live from Arrowhead. But, you know, we're on a mission here in Kansas City, you know, and the goal is to finish the season strong. Uh, you know, last few weeks we... You know, haven't been getting the job done as far as just finishing strong. A lot of tight games. Um, overtime, overtime third of last week. So it was, um, it was pretty dope to get out there today and finish the game, you know, pretty strong. I think we held them to three points. Well, shit, they got the uh, score at the end. So for the most part, we held them to three points, though, except for that score at the end. Um, you know, Gino been playing some great football all year, you know, pro bowler type of guy. So we knew the task coming in, you know, with, um, you know to be able to put that flame out. Great receiver in 14, of course, on the other side. Um, I feel like our young DBs, we got the youngest DBs in the NFL. I don't know if you guys know that or not. And they um, they did a hell of a job um, holding D- DK and, you know, um, holding that side of the, the, the ball down. So, um, you know, hats off to those guys. Frank, uh, you did a really nice job today on third down, fourth down. Um, I give hats off to our coaches. You know, they prepare us usually. Um, start Monday. You know, fresh off a of victory usually or a loss. Um, you come into the building, you know, you you, you prepping for the the new the new team, the new week. And um, our coaches they started off the week doing that. You know, just that. Um, we had a a tough game in Houston. You know, so when you come back, you know, everything you got guys dwelling on it. You know, our coaches give us do a good job of uh, 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 washing it away from our memory, getting us back into the week. You know, we had a short week, so of course we got to get rolling. You got to get the ball rolling faster. Um, Coach Spags he did a hell of a job giving us the game plan. Um, and it's just on us to execute, and uh, you've seen some execution out there today. Frank, you've been here for a while. It seems like in the playoff pushes, you have a game like this in regular season that you kind of get propelled from. Do you feel like this can be that game, and how much confidence can you gain from this complete effort? I just keep going. I try my best to inspire the man next to me um, and then bring along another person in the process. So, um, you know, whether that's inspiring the older guy or a younger guy, um, you know, that's, you know, Typically, what I tend to do, I try to look at, you know, and in this game, it's our DBs, honestly. You know, I look at my young guys, I look at that back end, I just tell them, just keep playing, you know, make the mistakes. You know, you make your mistakes while you're young, you make them early. So that when you get to a point, and my, you know, at this point in, in your career, you're eight, you're whatever, um, you know, you understand, you understand what's asked of you, you understand what's needed of you in those clutch moments. So you see guys make mistakes, holding, whatever it is. We don't, we always tell them, like, you good, man. Wash it away, short, half short term memory, and get out there and make the best play you can in the next play. Frank, um, you had uh, three fourth down stops in Chiefs territory, and I think Andy used the term intestinal fortitude about what that means. What, what does it take to do that? And 
What's it say about you guys to have those kind of stops? Um, I believe it shows how much grit we have. Um, it start, and that starts in camp. I mean, when you're out there, you know, you're doing 20-play drives and, you know, things are getting tough out there in 100-degree weather out there in St. Joseph, you know, you think about these things. You know, when you're out there in, in five-degree weather, you know, in the tundra and, you know, in Kansas City, and you think about those things. You know, it's other guys who, you know, they don't, they, they don't come into these games with the right type of mindset. You know, we, some guys, oh, we just clinched the playoffs. We just, we got our hats and our shirts last week. You know, we get, they tend to get complacent. You see teams, if you watch enough football, you'll see teams get complacent, you know, once they get those hats, once they clinch, stuff like that. Here in Kansas City, we're not complacent. You know, we always strive for more. We want more. You know, the goal, you know, we get a, you know, a little handshake, a pat on the shoulders for doing our job, you know, winning the conference as far as that. But, you know, um, as far, sorry, the division. But, um, you know, our goal is to win the conference. You know, we want to win the conference first, you know, secure home field advantage. And then we have fun throughout the playoffs. And then when we get to the big dance, we just crush them. That's the goal here in Kansas City, baby. Where does that come I believe it does. Um, it's something that's built. I feel like you have to build that. Um, it's all part of your identity as a team. Um, I feel like over the past few years, after we won the Super Bowl, we had some complacency in there, and you can see it. You know, you watch certain games, and you watch, um, you know, certain games where they might have said, well, they, this team got bullied, or, you know, this team just played more aggressive than the Chiefs did. I don't see that this year. You know, you see us finishing games more. You see us holding those teams off, you know, at times where our defense didn't necessarily do our job. Um, I feel like we kind of learning from our mistakes better this year. Um, we're making more plays at the end of games. We're um, we finishing stronger at the end of the season as far as the turnover battle. Um, I feel like a, as a defense, we complement our offense pretty well as well. You know, So whether they're having a good game or bad game, um, we're on our side doing our part. We're not making it worse. You know, We're kind of helping them out. You know, whether, if they're having a, a good game, you know, we're kind of helping them have a better game. You know, we tell them to run the score up a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, other teams. But um, <laughs> just having fun with it, man. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, and I always say it, you know, we're just keeping everything in-house. And when you do that, usually as a team, you see the success come. You say it comes from the locker room. Where? Is Pat or other guys? I feel like it starts with the leaders. It's not just Pat um, as the only leader in the locker room. I know it seems like that, but you have a lot of leaders in the locker room, probably four or five other guys that speaks outside of Pat. Um, it's not my, my job to give you the specifics on who. That's why it's called a locker room. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, just appreciate that, you know, we out here, we doing our job and that, um, you got a host of guys in that locker room, not just one that's leading our group and bringing us, um, you know, to that promised land. We'll go, we'll go Herbie, the last two Craig, would it be safe to say that you are one of those leaders? A hundred percent. Frank, you've been mentoring George since camp and we've seen that. What does it mean to you to see him get four sacks in five games? I love it. You know, I want to see more, you know, I, I look at George the same way I look at myself, um, and just um, never being satisfied. I tell them that all the time. You know, don't be satisfied with getting drafted first round. Don't be satisfied with your family or everybody, you know, boasting your head up. Don't never get satisfied. Don't never listen to it. Just keep on going. It's always more work to do, you know. If, if you, you know, I can go on and on and on about my eight years in this league, how many first rounders I've seen come and go, you know, guys I've seen do good things and guys I've seen do, you know, not so good, you know, and the career path. You know, so um, I always tell George, just keep on going. Ignore the media, you know.
no, no offense to you guys. I love you guys. But ignore it's the, it's, the, it's the negative shade, if you know what I mean. You know, guys like you come in as a rookie and, you know, you want to do good. Sometimes, you know, it, you might have a person over here on the outside saying you're not doing that good. But in reality, only thing that matters, like I said, is the people in-house. You know, you got to look to the right and to the left of you, you know, and um, appreciate what you're able to do. You know, there's guys who wish they can be in the position that we're in to be able to come out here, um, you know, playing five-degree weather, you know, in front of the greatest fans in the world, um, in front of our families. It's Christmas, it's the holidays on a Saturday, and um, be able to just do what we love. So, um, like I tell George, I tell the rest of the rookies, man, across the NFL, just keep your head down, keep working. The work's not finished. you got a lot more work to do, and um, enjoy it. Have fun. You know, make the mistakes early. Got to make the mistakes early, like I said. So when you get to a point of, you know, year eight, hopefully you make it to year eight and, and so on and so on, you can look back and be the one who's helping out the next young guy. Frank, uh, it is a nice way to start off the Christmas weekend, right? You got a win. What are your plans for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day around the clock? Man, a big win. I'm going to go spend some time with the family. You know, I'm a family guy, so I'm big on being in the house with the family outside of being on the field with my boys. So I'm going to go chill with the family, kiss on my babies a little bit, and eat some food. You know, I'm hungry. I know y'all kind of hungry, you know what I mean? Get some good food in me. And um, honestly, man, like I said, short-term memory. I got more football to play. We got to finish the season strong with two more games um, to finish the season strong. And, you know, um, see y'all New Year's. New Year's is coming. Um, that's the next game. So, you know, um, New Year's 2023 is on the way. Love y'all. Chiefs Kingdom, baby. I love a Frank Clark press conference. I have to imagine Chiefs fans everywhere do as well. That's Frank Clark here live on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, this is our post-game show. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. Um, this is a weird place to go on this probably because it's looking to the future, which is not necessary. But I wonder if I could just get in early on this take to say, if Frank Clark wanted to be the Carlos Dunlap of this team beyond this year. You know, the older guy that rotates through that is someone in that locker room who can be a leader, who has been here through a lot of this before. I I legitimately would sign up for that. He he has played some really good football at times this year. His health can be a problem, the consistency can be a problem. He obviously had the suspension, but the issue with him has been the cost and the contract and the the draft picks and all of that. If he ended up being on the open market, not having a ton of suitors next offseason, and he could come in on one of those more sort of veteran rotational deals, I, I think there, he has played his way into this conversation needing to be had. That he absolutely might not be in his final year with the Chiefs, despite the fact that that is how the contract, as previously aligned, was lining up for, which is, which is fine by me. I'm happy to hear from Frank Clark at the podium anytime the Chiefs will put him out there. Um, we will either hear from the podium or we'll hear from the locker room shortly. Um, we, we, let's go ahead and go to Isaiah Pacheco then, the young Chiefs running back, uh, caught up with reporters in the locker room. He's been here before you, so you're able to uh, you know, play a lot faster. And, it's, and he's helped me, and uh, the O-line is doing a great job as well. What's some of the best advice he's given you this year? Be yourself. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ball out there, um, it's a lot of game. Don't, don't, hold, don't hold your head down. Um, there's a lot of uh, ball out there, and you know every chance you get, um, you know just take advantage of it. What's the necklace for? Jody. It's my mother's name. She couldn't be here with us today, but tomorrow is my sister's birthday. Rest in peace to my sister. So you know, I definitely feel as though we played our behinds off today. What's your first response? Um, I got two buddies here from um, from South Jersey, so you know hang out, catch up, uh, call my parents. Most importantly, um, 
you know, just catch up a few things and get some turkey or something. Yeah, you're used to the cold weather, right? No, no yep. effect today. No, no effect. Uh, you know, I was just excited to be back out there and and that atmosphere uh, during the cold. Yeah, I looked out there in the in the pregame. Looked like Seattle had some guys with their shirts off. You see those guys? Yeah, I seen those guys. Um, that right there. You know, it's cool and everything, but they're gonna be sick. <laughs> and for me, you know, the you know, prepare for the elements of the game. Um, you know, if you're preparing for the elements of the game. It's a mind thing, and I'm sure that they were taught the same thing as well over there. It's a mind thing. And for me to see that, um, you know, just keep embracing my job and keep continuously uh, listen to the leaders in our room and worry about the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, Isaiah, you're running back. What did you think of Patrick's run there late? He got out of there, man. I was on the sideline. I was ready to run out there and, lead a, and lay a block down, but I couldn't. I was on the sideline. But for me, man, you know, just embracing uh, every uh, every opportunity, every role. Um, when there's when there's a, a play and there's a breakdown in it, um, Pat's got his eyes down the field, and, and that's what it's all about, looking for that, that open man to continue to drive. Is that a pretty good balance for a quarterback? Oh, bro, great, man. You know, I, I, for me, I was a quarterback, but he, 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 he doing it. There's Isaiah Pacheco from the locker room. Todd Lebo out there just stirring the pot, asking about the shirtless Seahawks. Guys are right, though. You can do that, and again, mind over matter, whatever you got to do to get ready, but whenever the Chiefs win the game the way they do there, hey, man, bundle up and go play some good football. Uh, that'll get it done, and it did get it done for the Chiefs today. Again, the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show brought to you by CBD American Shaman. And when Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Our team score is your percent off, and they scored 24 points, so you get 24% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more at CBD American Shaman because life is better with the feather. Drake, why don't we go ahead and use one of our timeouts early here? The Seahawks did it a couple times today. I don't think we're going to get in as big a trouble with our clock management, though. I'll take a timeout. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Drake on the other side of the glass. Dylan Michaels with production as well. Still to hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and our friend Matt Derrick as we keep rolling on here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show presented by CBD American Shaman. Smith from a clean pocket. Rifles corner route. Receiver's not there and it's picked off by Kansas City and Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill is second pick of the year. And there was no one within three, four yards of that throw. And that was our defensive play of the game presented by Slagle Fence. When you need a fence, call Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence installs it all from wood to ornamental steel to vinyl to chain link. No job is too large, and it'll look great too. Schedule your free estimate by going to slagelfence.com or call 816-863-6159. That play there, clearly some sort of miscommunication, uh, and this is sort of one of those things where I feel like you can be critical of whatever you want or optimistic about whatever you want. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, a uh, Ed Reed track down necessarily, but Juan Thornhill got to the ball, stayed in bounds, made the play, and one of my my immediate thought on Thornhill getting that pick is he almost had one earlier in the game that I think would have been undone by that penalty anyway, but uh, he didn't stay in bounds because he was on top of a Seahawk. Um, just good for Juan Thornhill to get a moment like that that you get a highlight and you can be the defensive play of the game in a, in a day where there were a few to pick from, but that one felt uh, that felt like ice 
if if it wasn't already iced at that point. But Thornhill's been in a rough spot these last few weeks. He he has played some of his more challenged football since getting apparently kind of fully healthy back since his injury at the very end of his rookie season. I've always really liked Juan Thornhill, the player. I, I think that um, there's a, a, a world in which this performance this year has hurt his chances of staying in Kansas City. But the secondary today, just just excellent, really across the board. The, the most encouraged I've been by this defensive secondary in a while. And, you know, once again, I I, I hear the echoes of, of Gary's call earlier saying, well, was that the Chiefs defense or the Seahawks offense? Here's the thing. We weren't saying, was that... Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll and name a wide receiver who played that game for the Texans. We weren't saying, oh, you know, it was Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy. What are you going to do? These were legit questions of where the Chiefs stand right now um, and if their defense could even handle subpar quarterbacks. Geno Smith played this year like an MVP candidate. It's obviously slidden off some since then. He had Tyler Lockett. In this game, he did not. He still has DK Metcalf. I think it can be something between this defense is permanently fixed now and forevermore and saying that it doesn't count because they weren't they didn't do it against the, the Bengals. This is something to build off of for this defense. For a guy that's been on a rough stretch like Thornhill to get a pick. For a guy like Frank Clark to be at the podium talking about what, what the impact is on these young guys in this defense. For all of those young corners to get a hand on the ball today. If not literally, at least figuratively, and it might have been literally true. I'm not sure. Uh, the, the young linebackers in the middle of that defense not being the green grass that it was for the, uh, for the offense to pick through as it's been so much over the course of this year. All of those things just give me a a little bit of optimism for, for where this defense is headed. Again, I, I know that maybe this is redundant, but you, you can't stack wins without getting one. And I obviously don't mean literal wins for the Chiefs because they've been stacking wins even when they haven't really felt like them. But you have to stack wins as a defensive unit. When it, whenever Steve Spagnuolo talks this week, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll say something like, oh, we wish you could have held him out of the end zone at the end. I'm sure he does. I don't doubt that. I'm sure the whole Chiefs defense would have loved the shutout. I'm sure they don't love the penalties that they did commit, or in addition to the ones they were called for. But overall, I just don't think there's anything else you could have asked them to do today. That's the encouraging thing. Regardless of how you feel about the opponent, as we've gone through this the last couple of weeks, I don't know what the Chiefs defense could have done in this game that they did not do in this game. That is different than a total exoneration for everything else they've ever done. <laughs> that, is, that is different than saying they will repeat this exact performance against the Bengals or the Bills in the playoffs. But this is a playoff team, obviously. This will almost certainly, in my book, be the, the two seed, if not the one seed, and I look around at the AFC and, and I see a football team today that absolutely could be at home after one game, depending on who they end up matched up with. I certainly would expect them to win their home game in, in the wild card round if they don't get that one seed. But if the Chiefs lose to the Bills or the Bengals in the playoffs, would that shock me beyond words? Absolutely not. But if we're sitting here in the what, second week of February, first week of February, second week of February, then we have a Groundhog Day Super Bowl. I think it's the first. I think it's, you know what? I think it, we did at one point, but then I think they moved the season an extra week. So I think it's now the second week of February again. I'm on top of it. If we're sitting here doing a post game show in February, 
And I, for the second time, get to announce to the world that the Chiefs are world champions. Would that surprise me? Not a bit. Because the NFL is filled with flawed football teams. The Chiefs are one of the best ones. And the encouragement of the game today, specifically defensively, it's like throwing coal on the fire. Christmas pun. You're listening to Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. I'm Joshua Briscoe. The Drake on the other side of the glass. Dylan Michaels producing as well. Let's hear from Jarek McKinnon. Uh, We already heard from Isaiah Pacheco. This backfield has really been excellently productive since they figured out that these are their best two backs. This is the one-two punch. Obviously, Cloud Edwards Lair still on IR. Ronald Jones got a carry in this game. You get more than that. You got one. Oh, there was was an actual uh, planned Ronald Jones touch. And then I think that might have been it the rest of the game. Yeah, one carry for four yards. I wouldn't have minded seeing him get out there instead of McKinnon having to get even more work um, as a, a guy who's up there. But he only carried the ball a handful of times, even though he continues to be a, a big part of the passing game as well. Uh, overall, hey, everybody, did you think it was weird that Travis Kelsey ended up with 113 yards receiving? He was quiet until that one drive when I think he got 70-some, maybe 80 of those yards. He leads the team in receiving six catches for 113 yards. And then Pacheco had one catch that went for 32 down the sideline. That was a great play. And then McKinnon, three for 31. So a game of tight ends and running backs leading the Chiefs in receiving yards in spots one, two, and three as Mahomes spread the ball around a ton. But over the, the last few weeks, through this month, nobody, I mean nobody, I know Travis Kelsey plays for this team. And he's been incredibly productive. But nobody has been more consistent and more productive and more of an incredible story in this offense than Jarek McKinnon. At this rate, just think of how good he'll be when he's 50. Because I imagine he just keeps getting better with age. Aging like a fine wine and a huge part of this offense. Here's Jarek McKinnon. Wasn't always pretty on offense, but you guys got it done. How, how much is the concentration on a day like this where it's kind of cold and everything? Uh, you know... Coach Reed said it all week. Uh, it was going to be a mindset game. Uh, obviously, it's cold as all out out there. Uh, but, you know, we feel like that's an advantage with, with us playing in the cold, being in Kansas City, uh, you know, having the fan base that we do. And, uh, you know, def- definitely make it tough on opposing teams. So uh, we came out. We handled, I feel like we handled the weather real good. Uh, we got off to a fast start, uh, kind of start our offense, but we got it, got it going and um, was able to come up with some good plays today. What's led to you hitting the stride that you have this month in December? Six touchdowns now. Um, it's just, you know, opportunity, me, and preparation. Uh, you know, the opportunity the past couple of weeks has ramped up from the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, I prepared myself for this. And, um, you know, obviously running with the, the, the opportunities that I do get, making the most out of it. And, um, you know, just continue to build more and more confidence, more and more confidence in the coaches that they have in me, um, you know, with the play calling and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm trying to keep it going. What, what's made the difference in the receiving game? Because I think you had eight receiving touchdowns in your career, and then all of a sudden you got five in the last four games. Yeah. Uh, play calling. Uh, Pat's finding me. Uh, it's, a, it's a collection of everything, man. Offensive line, man. They're blocking super well up front, and everybody's just doing their job. And, um, you know, like I said, man, the opportunity just landed in my hands, and, um, you know, I'm just trying to make the most out of it. Take us through your touchdown. Uh, yeah, I kind of knew they were. They were. They kind of put themselves in a bad situation. You know, we had, you know, double formation over there. It was two on two, and the. Um, you know, when I looked, I was like, it's pretty much going to be man. Um, the linebacker was tapped inside, so I'm like, well, I already got him out leveraged. And, you know, Pat hit me on a quick flat, 
uh, easy touchdown. About the importance of no turnovers and the emphasis on yeah. that part this week. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, you know, last week we came out, we had a couple of turnovers. This week, uh, we didn't have any turnovers. And you know, when we don't turn the ball over, don't beat ourselves. You know, we're a great team, so we got to keep that going. I just saw on Twitter here as well. That's Jarek McKinnon here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid here. I haven't gotten to see in the box. But uh, the Chiefs tweeted out the guys got coached something special for Christmas, and it's a uh, it's a Nike box. So uh, Andy Reid maybe getting a new pair of uh, of Air Forces would be my guess. Amazing. I'm uh, gonna hit the retweet on that one if you want to see the pictures there. You'll see them at eight ten at Sports Radio eight ten on Twitter. Um, just it seems like there's been this is sort of behind the scenes also, but it seems like there's just been some good energy out of this game. It's a good win, a team win, as you can say. I'm watching the video now here to see. Looks like, uh, oh wow, okay. So and Andy Reid here gets a wrapped present from Travis Kelsey. Mahomes standing there. Oh, I wonder if these. Well, Mahomes is an Adidas guy, so this is this is why Mahomes couldn't give him the box. But the Chiefs are, are the NFL is Nike. Andy Reid. Unwraps the Nike box. Unwrapping it now. I'll tell you. I'll I'll break the news of, of what's in here. But this feels like the energy of this whole game. It, it it's everything from the Juju Grinch costume on the way in and Andy Reid in the Nike shoe box is a cheeseburger. It is a fully built cheeseburger in this shoe box. The shoe box was a Trojan horse for a cheeseburger. That's the type of game that it feels like this was. That's the type of place where the Chiefs are at. This is tremendous. With let, let's take like take a quick trip back to where we've been this month of Chiefs football. Okay, this team that's twelve and three clinched the AFC West a week before Christmas and still somehow has just a little bit of an underwhelming feeling to it all. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to understand why this game does feel different. Maybe it's partially legitimately the Christmasness of it all. Everyone's in kind of a good mood. You want to win a game and now everyone gets it. It's a home game out at Arrowhead. Weather was wild, but ultimately... You get the win, everyone gets to go home to their families with a smile on their face. But over this stretch, they squeak by... The Niners game, the blowout win there was incredible. They squeak by the Titans, they get past the Jags, squeak past the Chargers, handle the Rams with their third-string quarterback. That Titans-Jags-Chargers stretch felt okay, I guess, but the losses of the Bills a couple weeks before, the week before the Niners game, that stings. Then they lose to the Bengals. What a deflating football game. Till once again, the third time in a row you lose to that Bengals team. And then you give the Broncos their highest scoring game of the year before I think it might have been the highest scoring game for the Texans for the year. Most yards in a game, maybe. It was essentially, it was a big day offensively for the Broncos and the Texans these last two weeks. Games you were favored to win in blowouts. Quarterbacks you weren't supposed to be respecting anymore teams you're supposed to throttle the Chiefs get past them and I, I think I asked in both of those post game shows I know moral victories don't buy you anything but what about moral losses if you win a game and have a moral loss does that does that stick with you I don't know this game today was just 
even when the offense was frustrating in the second half. It was only a matter of time before Patrick Mahomes levitated to the pylon, which is, I'm convinced, what happened. It was only a matter of time before Patrick Mahomes found Travis Kelsey for like 80 yards in two plays. I think it was like 75 or something. Something absolutely ludicrous in two plays. This is the type of game with this defensive effort that I just think has to give you that spark of energy back to where you're not dreading the the Chiefs against a team that they're supposed to blow out. It was uh, 72 yards on two plays, Mahomes to Kelsey. Back-to-back plays, of course. How could you have it any other way? It was a fun game. I'm having fun during this postgame show. I hope you are as well, because we're going to have a whole lot more of it still to come. Andy Reid will be on the air immediately after we get back from the break. So don't go anywhere here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. I'm Joshua Briscoe with a Drake on the other side of the glass. Dylan Michaels producing as well. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. And Andy Reid speaks after the break. Snap to Mahomes. With time in the pocket, now scrambling out to the right. Mahomes headed toward the pylon. He reaches for it, and they will say... Ball touched the pylon. It did touch it. Touchdown, Kansas City. I should have learned my lesson by now, but I'm going to admit this, and it's going to be hard for me to do. I doubted Patrick Mahomes there. When he came up and signaled for the touchdown... I thought, and I can't believe I still am capable of having this thought, but I thought, I don't think Mahomes did the thing there. Drake thought that maybe his his um, his his tripod hand. Yeah, I thought the heel of his hand was on the line. Was on the was line. Not. I bought that. I thought maybe his knee had scraped. At first, I wasn't even sure what had knocked over the pylon, and it was all Mahomes. It was quintessential Mahomes, and it was, frankly, electric. That is our electric play of the game, brought to you by Bikamer Electric. Bikamer Electric, from small jobs to big jobs, the Bikamer team knows how to take care of your commercial and residential electric needs. Bikamer Electric. I have to imagine Arrowhead frozen as it was and maybe could have used a little more uh, electricity in the heating sense out there, but I have to imagine Arrowhead was absolutely shaking when that moment happened, because I just, I should know better. I should. But I went, I don't, did Patrick Mahomes do that? Seemed impossible. But nothing's impossible when your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. A silly sport that he has absolutely mastered, and he plays for your team, Kansas City. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyous Candle Nights, etc., the greatest gift of all is wearing number 15 back there. Proved it once more again today. Although certainly the Chiefs owe a lot to uh, to the man who has actually done post-game press conferences dressed as Santa in the past. That would, of course, be Andy Reid. We'll hear from him momentarily after we remind you that it's all brought to you by Robert Brogdon Buick GMC and Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. We'll start from the top. I already told you there was good news on the injury front. Here's what Andy Reid had to say about the game and uh, what he saw from the team. Also noting the clean sheet in terms of the injuries. 
All right. Um, good win. Uh, appreciate the fans and them sitting through that cold. That uh, it was it was brisk out there. I was proud of our guys for the job that that they did um, in in the game and uh, Thornhill's pick. I thought was was great great way to finish there. Uh, Trav and um, uh, Pat with that series there. Um, it was end up being a big one for us. We had kind of gone through a stall there and had too many mistakes, drop balls, um, fumbles, whatever, uh, too much. And uh, we, we, but anyways, we bounced back and took care of that. I thought overall our defense had just a great day. Um, and some of those young guys, I mean, 21, 6, 35, I mean, these guys played their tail off. Uh, Bolton, another big day with 17 tackles. Um, and the D line, I thought, was extraordinary. I know it was an emotional game for for Frank Clark, uh, having played there. So, um, you know, making sure he came out of the right tunnel, right? So he, he did he did a nice job. Um, other than that, um, we had no injuries, so time's yours. There you go. I mean, Christmas cheer through and through. Frank Clark revenge game. Um, I don't think he probably had the tunnel issues, you know, considering if it was in if it was in Seattle, maybe I don't know. Regardless, a good game from Frank Clark. We've already talked for, about him. We've heard from him, um, and Andy Reid specifically. Twenty-one six thirty-five. Trent McDuffie. Well, actually, thirty-five. Thirty-five actually might uh, might short them one. Because I, I think you, uh, how much Jalen uh, Watson did we see out there today? Um, ultimately, so Brian Cook getting continually more and more work. I don't know what the snap count split's going to be, but we've seen a lot of him in this game. He was flying around. He's 6. Trent McDuffie, 21. And then Jalen Watson is 35. Um, he was out there a lot. Joshua Williams also, is, I, he's had the the sort of the the platooning of those two, I suppose. But really, all around, the, the Chiefs rookies here, I'll, I'll have to re- recheck the snap counts, and I'll even take a look and see at where those guys ended up, just from something like tackles, where they were closest to the ball. But altogether, uh, a really excellent effort from a whole bunch of those young guys. Uh, Trent McDuffie, and this is not this is not a, a general good way to evaluate cornerback play or, or defensive back play. You don't want your defensive backs leading your teams in tackles. But Jalen Watson in this game had two solo tackles. One of those is that tackle for the loss. That's your, your shout-out to 35. Joshua Williams was in on two tackles. One of those is a solo one. And then Trent McDuffie with five tackles, two on his own. Brian Cook with four tackles, three on his own. So I'm, I'm expanding it to include... Uh, I, I'm trying to... I always get the... Uh, the numbers flipped on, on Watson and Williams as the, the rookie corners because the Chiefs have not one, not two... But three rookie cornerbacks playing real roles on this team right now, doing it really well, and there's an argument none of them have been as good as Legereus Sneed. Warms my heart. Makes it grow three sizes to see the cornerbacks playing this well. It, uh, it's really been a, a great development for this team. Back to Andy Reid, though. Um, on talking specifically about Legereus Sneed, you mentioned the rookies, of course, but Sneed was traveling with DK Metcalf, and he talked about scheming Sneed to do just that and why the Chiefs decided to do that today and, and something they haven't done before. Yeah, well, some, that was the scheme that Spags had uh, set up going in. Um, I thought he did a nice job. That's a good football player there. And, um, and so... You know, Snead is a good football player too. So matching him up, I thought that was, that was a smart thing by Spags. I thought our I thought our coaches did have a good uh, good game plan together too. I 
My echo's off to him. Well, yeah, we're before you today. Why, uh, why today? What was it about today's matchup? Yeah, we just, well, we thought it was a good matchup. Um, you know, and they've, they've had some injuries there, so their other primary receiver was down. So I guess the the logic there is I'm I'm kind of guessing and, and hearing from Spags on Thursday will be really good because he'll be asked about this a ton I'm sure um, as he should be it's fascinating but I I think the logic is hey they had one guy to beat us so we said we're gonna put our best corner on you and good luck beat us somewhere else against one of these rookies and and the rookies held their own um, against a, a thinner group and maybe they they haven't had a matchup quite like that this year where there's been one dominant wide receiver on a team. Um, probably could have made an argument for Jerry Judy being one of those guys. Uh, but when you go back to like the Bills and the Bengals, I mean, Stefan Diggs is obviously number one with a bullet in Buffalo. Maybe that would be the time going forward. Um, but a team like, like Cincinnati, you can't just say, hey, you've got Jamar Chase and we'll see where T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd end up. The Bengals make you pay through that. So an interesting development there in the defense, uh, something that Matt Derrick straight up predicted on Friday's edition of The Zone. We'll talk to him about that later on in the show here as well. Um, and then the the weather has been a legit conversation, because I don't know if you've been outside lately, but it kind of sucks. And so Andy Reid was asked about how his team handled the elements. Uh, obviously a, a hat tip to everyone who filled the stadium as well. Here's Reid on braving the elements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, it was a little cold, but... Um, I thought the, you know, I thought the guys did a nice job with it. Uh, they didn't let it hinder them. Uh, I think a couple of the drop balls, however, might have been been that, and we weren't squeezing it hard enough. And uh, but um, I, I was proud of the guys and how they took care of business, and especially on a short week. So you know, the Seattle was coming off a long week, and uh, they came in. I, I would imagine pretty fresh there. So um, and our guys powered through the week and on a short week did a nice job yeah that's interesting uh seattle was on thursday night football last week so they had a few extra days uh for this saturday game the chiefs had one fewer day than usual the the, the seahawks still had you know i guess two more than you usually would like three yeah right um so the seahawks had a little extra time obviously Lockett being out was a big deal but ultimately seattle was uh had a little longer um a, a longer takeoff i suppose uh working into this game a longer runway and the Chiefs did, and the Chiefs looked prepared for it. The weather on the the drops is is probably reasonable. Um, also, certainly, you think affected Tommy Townsend, who had a rough punting day. Holding day, pretty good, though. Kicking operation, looked good. But Townsend had, I don't know, his worst punting day in a while. You could hear the, the, the difference in his foot hitting the ball when it sounds like a frozen brick. Um, but ultimately, those are the only times I can think of it really seeming like it was affecting the Chiefs, and they were, they benefited from that. Uh, again, here from the defense and the rookies, two t- two sides of the ball, two sides of the game that deserve plenty of conversation here. Reed talks about how the defense and the rookies created some turnovers today. Yeah, no, it's real important because um, uh, I've, I've mentioned it the other way the last couple weeks. So that they need to, um, you know, they're making progress, but we need to get better. And and uh, I thought the guys did a nice job with that today. Yeah, and I, and I do think that's important down the stretch. Forgive my uh, pluralization there. They, they had the one turnover on the Thornhill pick, but that's Reed talking about creating more turnovers going forward. But uh, picking off Geno there, nearly another pick um, from Thornhill earlier in the game as well. Just generally putting pressure on the Seahawks. It, it felt like a game where everything the Seahawks are doing offensively was 
pretty labored, and the Chiefs' defense was just doing their job. It was really a, an excellent effort all the way around. Uh, also here from Andy Reid, back on the offensive side, there were some struggles, specifically there in the second half. Reid addresses those, and also talks about not turning the ball over, which is something they avoided today, which didn't put the defense in bad spots. Maybe a drop ball or two, but the kind of drought on offense... Kept plugging away at it, though. I mean, they finally broke through there at the end and got one. That make it feel a little bit better when you when you get that later to kind of cap it off. Yeah, I mean, we we weren't doing very well. Whether it was the run game, pass game, um, I, I mean, I take responsibility for that too. I mean, I've got to try to work things to in our favor, but um, that's not that's not where where we were going. And uh, and then uh, you know we hit those couple to Trav. And um, you know, I thought that was big, obviously. When the offense is going through that period, how much does the ball security kind of feel like, okay, we can buy ourselves a little bit of time here and figure it out? Yeah, ball security ends up being important, and so is how the defense is playing. I mean, the defense was playing well, and so uh, we didn't force anything on on the offensive side, although we were trying to score touchdowns. I mean, I don't want to slight that. We just, uh, um, things weren't clicking, but... If it wasn't for the defense playing so well, then that, that could have been a real issue. And to that point, this is one of those games where a lot of times we've talked about the offense picking the defense up. In this case, the defense was picking the offense up and, and to have a game, to have the capability to do that. If the defense would have been a mess today, we would not we would not have nearly as many uh cups of hot chocolate overflowing in postgame. It would be a lot more uh, spiked eggnog, I think, if uh if the defense had struggled while the offense was going through that sort of sputtering there and Reed's right. They they weren't good enough there. No no former fashion of the game, but it was a drop here or there or a, a penalty here, the low snap, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not worried about those necessarily as long-term issues. I'm much more excited about the defense than I am worried about the offense from today. Here from Andy Reid, uh, the Chiefs' defense also really stood up on fourth down. The Seahawks ended up behind the sticks and in some situations where they just had to push for it. It was it was largely inarguable, but ultimately the Chiefs' defense won a lot of those matchups. How big were those fourth downs for the defense? I think they stopped three of them. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the guys, uh, that's you know, a lot of intestinal fortitude right there. Yeah. A lot of intestinal fortitude right there. And it was. I mean, those are huge moments. Those those end up being, essentially, turnovers, right? I mean, you get the ball back at the spot. That's huge. It gives your offense a chance to potentially have a short field, depending on where the ball's at. And ultimately, obviously, of course, it just ends a possession. That's huge. Last thing here from Andy Reid. Uh, I hadn't considered this, but um, somebody in the, in the, uh, the podium room certainly did. Patrick Mahomes has 12 wins as a starter every year he has started, and there are still two games remaining. Obviously, that started before they went to 17 games. Here's Andy Reid on on Patrick Mahomes continuing to rack up a dozen wins every year that he's been the team's starting quarterback. Yeah, how great is that, though? I mean, um, and uh, the accolades that he receives, um, he deserves all of them. Um, uh, And then uh, the guys around him... uh, also working in with that and making it happen. So, <clears throat> but it's a tribute, it's a tribute to Pat and the, the energy that that he's brought to the group and um, and then the guys rallying around him, obviously. Okay. Just so there's no question, I don't think I've said it yet in this show. I shouldn't have to. You're listening to the show. You probably don't need me to. But Patrick Mahomes is the most valuable player in football.
period. Jalen Hurts has had an excellent year, and Mahomes is going to deal with this throughout his entire career. He is going to deal with being the somewhat boring option from a national perspective. He won it once, shot out of a bleeping cannon, taking over the NFL by storm, but that's the way we like to give MVP awards out. But there's always it's always a narrative game. I don't even think that's necessarily a horrible thing. I don't think it's even terribly unfair. But the MVP, just fact of the matter, it's a narrative game. That year, Mahomes had to overtake Drew Brees because it would have been his first MVP, right? It's like, oh, well, he's having a great year, and we see the, the light at the end of the tunnel for Brees, so boy, that would be super cool. And then Mahomes threw for 50 and five grand. And so they went, okay, this is the most valuable player. New hot thing on the block. Let's uh, Let's go ahead and give it to him. Now you have Aaron Rodgers, of course, uh, with some MVP dominance. Mahomes dealing with injuries made that a little more, left that window open, I suppose. But voters, the NFL in general, marketing, however you want to sort of line it up. I don't think there's any grand conspiracy or anything. But you're going to hear Joe Burrow MVP talk this week because Jalen Hurts isn't playing. Um, despite being excellent, you're going to hear Josh Allen MVP talk. You're going to eventually you're going to hear Justin Herbert Herbert MVP talk. I know that sounds premature. It's not. That will happen, not this year, but soon. Because it's it's more fun to have the new thing you can crown as the next guy up. But for the duration of Patrick Mahomes' time here in Kansas City, I expect for a decade of prime football. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to have the most matter-of-fact argument in the sport. This year, the one narrative thing he does get is that he is doing it not necessarily with cast-offs, but he's certainly doing it without Tyreek Hill. And really, he's doing it without an obvious number one wide receiver. Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey. He's wide receiver one in everything but name of his position. Juju Smith-Schuster is an excellent football player. I was excited when they signed him. I wish they would have gotten him locked up last year. I hope they figure something out this offseason. He's a really good part of this offense, but he's not a top, probably not a top 20 receiver in the NFL, and I say that really liking Juju. So don't take that as slanderous. There are just a lot of incredible wide receivers in the sport right now. Every time I look up on this TV, I, I see CeeDee Lamb doing something crazy. A.J. Brown's also playing in this game. You can look around the league. There's, there's, there's a lot of talent wide receiver. So absolutely no shade to Juju Smith-Schuster whatsoever. Really good part of this team. Hope he sticks around. But there's not one of those guys, the CeeDee Lamb, the A.J. Brown, the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams. I could go on because there are that many incredible football players. We are spoiled to death with how good the NFL is right now. But Mahomes is doing it with a really good player who is showing the NFL that he is still the guy he used to be in Juju Smith-Schuster. Injuries and being a Pittsburgh Steeler derailed him previously. He's showing the NFL that he's back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a fine player in Green Bay. He's been a fine player here. Some ups and downs. Justin Watson was a career special teamer. 
Sky Moore hasn't really gotten into the mix. Jarek McKinnon, his career looked like it might have been over just purely because of injuries. Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh-round running back. This offensive line has a lot invested in it, and today there were some snaps. They looked great. It hasn't been the best line in the league by any means. All of that is to say that this is this is an okay offense of, of like talent from a talent standpoint. But it is so elevated by Patrick Mahomes that I really am trying to, again, frame this in a way that I'm not telling you he's got a bunch of scrubs around him because that's not true. These are good football players. But it's the best offense in football. It's a good supporting cast, but it's a great offense because they have the most valuable player in the sport at quarterback. It's kind of a funny logic game to play, but it's really evident to me. And you don't have to slander the rest of the team to make the Mahomes MVP case, but it's it's interesting to look at where these guys, Kadarius Tony's career had not not flatlined in New York, but he kind of disappeared. He shows up in Kansas City, and he's immediately involved in what this offense can do. He's doing it without McCole Hardman, who's who's missed six games now, I think. Hopefully back soon. It's It's just simply an MVP performance from Patrick Mahomes. And the guys around him have been there to, for the moments. Again, Justin Watson, with his, especially with his main drop today, is the, the time when you go, oh, that's a role player kind of guy who didn't do the thing he needed to do in that big moment. That's been rare this year, more than anything. Mahomes has really elevated everyone around him. That's what the MVP does. That's what the greatest quarterback currently living does. Patrick Mahomes is both of those things. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, maybe hear from Patrick Mahomes, may go over to the Seattle side briefly. We'll hear from Mahomes shortly for sure and uh, continue rolling on here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. It's brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. On first down, Mahomes all kinds of time. Over the middle, it's Kelsey caught at the 40. Racing down the side, 30, 20, dragging tacklers inside the 10 and down to the 8-yard line. Jordan Brooks finally makes the stop after a 53-yard gain. That is our play of the game brought to you by Central Bank. To learn more, visit them online at centralbank.net. It really did feel like it was borderline inevitable, or maybe maybe that's honestly, maybe that's being revisionist. It felt like that needed to happen for the Chiefs to get back on the the. Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey connection in a game where, as Andy Reid said, they weren't great on offense, but defensively is really where this team shined. And that's kind of a funny thing to be able to say about the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs. But what else could you ask for? Was that not on your Christmas list? A nice defensive performance from the Chiefs? I think if you asked for it, you got it today. And Patrick Mahomes got that for his uh, his early Christmas gift as well. Even he started by talking about the defense. We'll get to 15 here in just a second as the Patrick Mahomes press conference is always brought to you by Xfinity. Patrick Mahomes press conference brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity Internet. Stay connected with Wi-Fi coverage that delivers the speed, reliability, and coverage you need. Can your internet do that? Mahomes starts on the defense, talking about the defensive performance of the day. 
Oh, I mean, I was extremely proud. I mean, that's a that's a really good offense. Uh, they've put up points on a lot of teams this year, and so uh, for our defense to stop the to stop them in so many critical moments, um, that's what we need uh, going forward. I mean, uh, when they play like that, we're, I mean, we're going to be a hard team to beat. And offensively, we got to execute at a little higher level. But uh, we got we needed we got what we needed done. Um, and uh, credit to the defense, man, of kind of holding us in there when we were struggling. I mentioned that earlier. What a what a fun thing for the Chiefs to have. The defense keeps them in a game when they're struggling. That's how football teams work all across the league. Sometimes you got to get those, and the Chiefs defense absolutely brought that today. Just a really excellent effort in that regard. Uh, Juan Thornhill's pick was a uh, a real ice point for the defense. Mahomes talked about that in particular, motivating the offense to go down and score and end this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to the sideline kind of after we had a few drives in a row where we kind of fizzled out really fast, and I just said, hey, how the defense is playing? We just need one more score to kind of put this game away. Um, I thought the guys responded well. I mean, obviously, Travis got lost in space two times in a row where we, we wanted to throw deep, but, I mean, when they played that deep of coverage, uh, just hitting Travis over the middle uh, usually is a good, good thing, and uh, he was able to get us down there into the red zone, and we were able to punch it in and get the touchdown. They were able to do that. It certainly was the spark that they needed. But holy bleep, you want to talk about a spark? How about Patrick Mahomes once again doing it on the ground, doing it himself? Mick Schaefer, our friend from KSHB41, had a real snarky comment about that on Twitter, saying that that should really help Patrick Mahomes in the suddenly applicable total touchdown statistic in the MVP race. Because obviously, Jalen Hurts has gotten some of his work done on the ground. He's a spectacular player having a spectacular season. Nothing wrong with saying that. But that touchdown where Mahomes just barely gets it to the pylon, of course, that was the topic of the day for the Chiefs quarterback. Yeah, they, they did a pretty good job. After I looked at it after, I realized that they dropped, like, my last guy was Juju was wide open in the, in the end zone. But uh, we did a play where I, we kind of had a frontside read where I wanted to either throw a flat uh, to a little hook route to Kels across the middle, and they covered it well. And I started running, trying to find the edge, and I, I was able to just get enough of that pylon. I, like, I like grazed it. And I knew it was close. I grazed it. And I, I, I knew the rule that if you touch the pylon, you're, you're good. So uh, luckily enough, I stayed out of bounds and was able to get in the end zone. Stand on purpose too? No, no, no. That was definitely not on purpose. But it shows that hey, the wrist is the wrist is a little strong, man. I had a, had a little push up position. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm the strongest guy in the world, but uh, I've done a little bit to, to hold myself up. Is there any way to practice that? Um, not not that one. No, no. That, there's no way to practice that one. I mean, we do a lot of things to try to put me in different positions um, to to go out there and excel, but. Uh, at the end of the day, you get, you get down there towards the end zone, and then at the late part of these football games, you have to just go out there and be a competitor. And um, we were able to get it into the end zone on a big drive that kind of helped put the game away. It's funny. Can you can you practice that? Not that one, really. I mean, he's out there practicing the no looks and the shovels and all of that. But there's not, I don't think there's a lot of ways to practice what he just did there, other than, you know, you try to get that one handed push up position. Get a little bit of extra time in the air, and that's all Mahomes needed to make that rushing touchdown uh, work for six. Crazy play, crazy player. Par for the course, I suppose, but I also beseech you, do not actually let yourself believe that, because I've I've never seen much anything quite like Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback. So enjoy that while you got it, because it is an incredible thing. Um, and also, that throw to Travis Kelsey. We played the highlight of that at the top of the show. Not the uh, the chunk and chunk plays, but the one that preceded it where he just teleported it to him. I don't know how else to describe it. 
Drake said at the time, and he's right, I mean, if he would have ran down the field and just sat it in his hands, it would not have been in a better position than that throw was. That tight window throw, just just almost glancing off the shoulder pad of the Seahawks defender back there. Totally ludicrous. So how did he do it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about matchups. I mean, I think that's a lot about this league, and uh, 39's a bigger safety, a good player, um, Tabor. But uh, whenever Trav kind of has a guy on his back, I try to put in that one spot only where he can make a play on it. Um, and, I mean, tough conditions today, obviously cold. Um, but I thought the guys battled through um, and made a lot of big plays. And, uh, I, I mean, when he's one-on-one, like I said, I always try to give him a chance, and uh, I'll keep going back to him. I would love for that connection to continue being in the playbook. I think he'll keep going back to Travis Kelsey for a long, long time. Uh, also, it, it plays into kind of the, the theme of the offense. Early in the game, we, if, if it would have continued with this, this might have been the place where we started the show. Early in the game, it was just run the football, take the easy stuff, and they were moving pretty good. I don't remember what drive it was in particular. It was just Pacheco and short stuff. Um, let me go find it real fast because I've got my... I've got my uh, sort of uh, superlatives for each drive that I try to have for, so I, for this exact purpose where I can kind of glance back and go, oh, where did, where did these things all, uh, all come together for the Chiefs offense? Uh, basically, that second drive of the game, the first one was they got the second and two and then couldn't make anything else happen. But on that second drive of the game, it was just Pacheco short passes, Pacheco short passes. And then that's when you get the Sky Moore play where he looked nice and bouncy with the ball in his hand. Pacheco picks it up on third and one, and then you get the little pop pass to Kadarius Tony for the score. That was that second drive of the game where it just, everything was working. And, and so Mahomes here talks about kind of the balance of when he's more or less aggressive over the course of a game. Uh, should be at what point when the defense is playing like what you kept mentioning, do you actually change anything? Yeah, the, the, big, the only thing I really change is Kind of more for like like on the scramble plays. Uh, instead of trying to force something and make a big play uh, whenever it's not there, or throw a deep one and kind of put it in like a 50-50 ball. I'll just take it. I'll kind of just take what's there. Uh, throw it underneath or try to scramble for it. And uh, um, I think that's what I've learned as I've kind of grown in my career is when the defense is rolling, not don't give the momentum to the other team. Uh, keep keep playing the field position battle. We have a great punter. Um, and and play the field position pad, battle, and, and whenever we get our opportunities, we'll strike them. During a scramble, it actually enters your mind? I don't know if it – I mean, I think it subconsciously does. Like, it, it, I, I think about it before. You think about it kind of throughout when the, the defense is out there, you're on the sideline, and they're getting the stops and they're punting. You, you just say, hey, like, we want, to, we want to go out there and score, obviously. We want to score a touchdown. That's what we're always thinking first. But if it's not there, don't don't force it. Just take what's there and keep the, keep the chains moving, and uh, we were able to do that there on the last drive. Do you see yourself thinking like that more based off what happened in Denver? After you all were 27 years being supposed to be do you see yourself thinking more subconsciously about that? Yeah, I mean, for sure. You always take away from everything. Uh, the only thing that sucks is in Denver, I was thinking about that in the last drive, and I still threw interceptions and in field goal range. So um, it's just something you have to deal with, man. I'm, I'm an aggressive player. I like to go out there and score and put up a lot of points. But as I've kind of learned throughout my career, it's a, team, it's a team game. I mean, that's the way it is at the end of the day. And when the defense is playing like that, uh, don't put them in a bad position and try to do whatever you can to put points on the board, but don't put the team in a bad position. It's a balance for Mahomes, and it's a balance that he's gotten even better and better at over the, the years, I think. And this season has, has certainly been another exercise in that. So he's just he's always going to get better at something. It's He's a growing quarterback as quarterbacks get better all the time. I, I just, we are genuinely so lucky to watch the evolution of this quarterback in this city.
it's been a blast so far, and hopefully it ends with another Super Bowl this season as right now the performance they got from the defense today opens up the possibilities even more. Uh, I mentioned the running backs earlier. Told you that the leading receivers in this game were a tight end and two running backs. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, one for one, uh, six for 113. Isaiah Pacheco, one just for that 32-yarder there. It was a, a great play. Uh, and then McKinnon, three for 31 there as Juju is three for 27 on the day. Uh, receptions and yards, obviously. Uh, but here's Mahomes talking specifically about those two backs, Pacheco and McKinnon, and all the offensive weapons. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both playing hard. I think that's the end of the day. That's the biggest thing. And those guys, they do both can do everything. They can run the football, but they can also catch the ball out of the backfield. And um, I mean, we got a good room, man. I mean, we got Rojo's when he gets in, he's making stuff happen. Um, you got Clyde hopefully coming back soon. Um, and, uh, I'm sure they'll get those guys all opportunities to go out there and make plays. And, uh, I mean, Pacheco's running the ball hard and, uh, Jarek's making plays every single week. So, I mean, I'm excited just to continue to grow that room. Are you laughing that there's no drop off between the two? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the great thing is, uh, at the receiver position, um, and at the, the running back position and then even the tight end position, I think guys are coming in and making plays happen. Um, we, we're, we're able to get other guys rest, uh, especially like Travis and stuff. We have guys like Noah and Jody and now Blake that have kind of came in and can, can fill those roles to a degree. Um, and I mean, Travis is a special player. I mean, all these guys that are stars are special players, but we've built up so much depth, uh, within this offense that we can kind of rotate guys in and everybody can be fresh when they're in there. That's the, the, the beautiful thing about that room that they've got right now, uh, that has continued to just be stupendous for the Chiefs. Uh, as they've gotten on here late in the year. Uh, a group that has not been nearly as flawless and that was a big topic of conversation this week was the field goal unit, the kicking unit altogether. Obviously, Mahomes isn't the one in those meetings. What did he see from that kicking unit today? Yeah, I mean, I believe we have one of the best punters, one of the best kickers, and one of the best deep snappers in the league. And Tobe is the best special teams coach in the league. And so uh, I have confidence in those guys are going to go out there and make it happen every single time. Um, and every great team has great special teams, and I feel like that's why we've been who we are these last few years. Nothing but confidence there from QB1. Uh, what about keeping focus at this time of year, though? The Chiefs came in on a holiday, took care of business, and now have a couple more games still to go in the regular season before playoff time after they locked up the AFC West last week. Frank mentioned you can't have any letdown after you get the hats and T-shirts for winning the division. Can you just uh, speak a little bit about the mentality you guys had coming into this game, how you just have to finish season and where that kind of comes from? Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't control our own destiny as far as the one seed, but we want to put ourselves in the best position to be at Arrowhead as much as possible in the playoffs. And um, that takes us getting better as a team every single week. Um, and we play a lot of great teams uh, to end the season. Um, and how can we get better? And I thought we got better as a team this week. The defense played really good against a really good offense. Uh, the offense we executed at some points really well, but we're going to learn from this and try to get better next week. Um, and you want to be playing your best football going into the playoffs. And I feel like that's where we have to continue to get better and better. Is let's put that full game together: offense, defense, special teams. And thought we did a pretty good job of it today, but we have we could be even better uh, going into these last two weeks. Still room to grow, still room to improve, and you just at this point you're waiting on uh, on Buffalo to maybe drop a game. I think uh, Cincy's the only one that feels particularly losable right now for Buffalo, but we'll keep an eye on the one seed there as the Chiefs have a chance to get that, but certainly control their own fate if they're trying to get to the two seed right now. That's the, the thing that they'll have if they went out and the Bills went out. Uh, last thing from Patrick Mahomes, what's the Christmas plan in the Mahomes household? Just, you know, you got a new Christmas coming up for some of your family, so what's the plan if we're going forward and just 
Yeah, I mean, the schedule worked out well. I saw this early in the year. Um, to play Christmas Eve um, at 12 o'clock, now I get to go home and spend, spend Christmas Eve with my family. I flew, we flew like all the family up, so they're going to be there at the house and get to enjoy Christmas with everybody. And Coach Reed gave us Sunday off, so we have Christmas Day off. We get to watch football, basketball, um, everything. And so uh, it's, it's going to be a great day with all the, all the family. And I'm trying to do like the gingerbread houses, and I'm going to be competitive. I'm going to try to win it. <laughs> There's Patrick Mahomes. He'll uh, he'll he'll try to beat you on the field. He'll try to beat you in the gingerbread houses. Not my forte. Commercials in that one of his heavy commercials. Doesn't he do a gingerbread uh, house? Ah, you're right. That was a subtle plug. God, he's good. You know, I'm gonna be building my gingerbread house, trying to beat everybody like I was trying to beat Trav in that uh, in that high V commercial. You know, it's always tough when I'm looking through my uh, my Oakleys, but, you know, I got to keep that sun out of my eyes like only Oakleys can do. I block out the haters with my Bose headphones. And uh, now, boy, how about that? How about the fact that I can basically deliver Patrick Mahomes' uh, NASCAR victory lane speech at this point, you know? Just out here driving our GEHA Ford. I don't know if I don't know if that's the right uh, I don't know if that's the right car or not for any of this, but uh, funny funny times in the uh, in the Mahomes household. I imagine it'll be a good one after a victory, and uh, nice for everybody to have a little noon kickoff Christmas Eve ordeal here in Arrowhead, here in Kansas City. You're listening to the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. It's brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. Still to come in today's show before we wrap up and head back home for the holidays. We'll hear from. Pete Carroll, and Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. We'll have one of those two when we come back here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Little jet sweep to the near side. Cut back 10-5. Another wiggle to the three. And into the end zone, Kadarius Toney. Great to see Kadarius Toney get a score. Always good to see him in space with some green grass around him. Hey, that reminds me of somebody. That reminds me of our friends there at Greengrass Cattle Company. I don't know if they'd have enough space for Kadarius Tony out there on the ranch. They got a lot of acreage, but I'm pretty sure he could cover one end to the other pretty quickly because that's the kind of speedster that the new number 19 is. But got to mention again, our friends at Greengrass, they do great work out there at their store in Weston Greengrass Cattle Company off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch. You can visit their store out there or order online at greengrasscattleco.com and they'll deliver right to your door. They're locally owned and operated in Weston, Missouri. They implement the best practices with their premium black Angus cattle, providing the best feed, clean water, and a low-stress environment to make sure you have the best-tasting beef in town. Plus, it's always nice to know that all the cattle out there are being treated well. I always enjoy that and was really uh, excited to get to be out there and visit the ranch and get to meet all the folks there at Greengrass. They just do really great work, and if you want to get the best beef in town, greengrasscattleco.com is the place to do it. Also, got some word from the big man. I don't know. Santa, maybe? Yeah, Santa called and said uh, that the deal at CBD American Shaman that I mentioned, uh, when Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Their score, your percent off. They scored 24 points, so you get 24% off all day on orders of $100 or more. That will be honored on Tuesday this week with the holiday. So orders on Tuesday, you get 24% off all day on orders of $100 or more at CBD American Shaman, where life is better with the feather. Santa himself said that was the rule, uh, so you can get a little extra CBD 
American Shaman, 24% off on Tuesday at CBD American Shaman. You're listening to the Sports Radio 810 WHB post-game show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. About time to hear from the opposing head coach as Pete Carroll was at the podium. And as always, our opposing coach press conferences are brought to you by Metcalf Car Star. Brought to you by Metcalf Car Star. If your vehicle gets sacked on the road, take it to Metcalf Car Star, the collision repair experts. They make it convenient and easy to get back on the road. Go to carstar.com and search Metcalf Carstar. Carstar. Relax. They'll take it from here. Here's Pete Carroll following his team's loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, this isn't the way to have a, a, the happiest of, of Christmases for us and for all the 12, but uh, still wish you a happy holidays to everybody. Um, this, was a, this was a tough game for us uh, in the first half. We just couldn't get going and uh, couldn't make first down and got nothing going at all and, and just had to just wait it out. And once we found our rhythm in the second half, you could see us play. We, we play with these guys, and uh, that's a terrific football team. And we know it, and, and uh, the defense held their own with these guys. You know, they, they kept them down in the running game. They uh, were able to get the third down wins that we needed. We had a lot of three and outs uh, that made a big difference and gave us a chance to be in the game. And we, you could tell that we were in a go-for-it mode throughout the, you know, the second half of the game, even early on on fourth downs, using those. Uh, just trying to see if we can find a way. Um, so, um, very tough, tough ball game for us today you know, in this situation. The weather had nothing to do with anything. It was just not a factor. Um, we've been in cold, whatever it was. I don't know what the temperature was and that, but the factor was not there today. And uh, our guys handled it beautifully, and it was not even an issue. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to quantify. How much do you have He's a great player. You know, he's a great player, and, and you miss him. There's so many chances for him on those on third downs and on the early downs and stuff to be a factor like he always is. We missed him. Yeah. What would happen on Gino's interception? Uh, he took a shot at, at throwing the ball to Keith. You know, he had a one-on-one at the side of the safety, made a really good play. Um, and uh, I mean, it's it's the right read to take it, and the ball just needs to get up and down before the guy gets there. The safety was was over, all over it. I don't know what happened. I couldn't tell. Our guys were griping about the, the grab or something, you know. On that. You guys would know better than me. I didn't see that. Um, but uh, he just was making a really aggressive play. That's that's not the wrong play to make. Just got to get the ball up and down before the guy gets there. Getting Ken going like that in the second half, what can that do for you? No, it's so important. It's so He's such a good player. And, and, and our guys up front blocked their tails off today. And uh, you, you can see how we can run the football. I think we ran it 11 times in the first half for nothing. You know, just didn't get anything going. And then we just were determined to go back out in the second half and make sure that, you know, we, we're going to find out are we going to be able to run it or not, and we did. And so the guys up front did well. Um, everybody blocked at the line of scrimmage. We were very efficient uh, in, in the running game, and so it, it, it showed you that's that's who we want to be. The, the, the fourth downs, obviously, you wanted to get all of them, but I guess the one to Laquan that ends up as a yard short there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, every all think about how close these plays were. DK's play on the back of the end zone too. That's four points there. Um, uh, you know, the use of the clock was. I was really happy with the way we handled that. We did everything we could to take a shot at it, but uh, but that play too, and Laquan's, and, and I think there was another one where we came up short too, just by a bit. You know, yeah, on fourth down. Yeah, I think I think he did. You know, he, the play passes worked for them. He was hanging on to the football and gave him another second look. He's really dangerous. They, they didn't you know, throw the ball that well today. Um, you know, they, they had some kind of miscues in it, just throwing and catching. Um, and that, that worked for us. 
but uh, he was able to find Kelsey. I mean, he's just looking right at him, waiting for him to get open, and the time allowed that to happen. And uh, those two guys just showed why they're, you know, they're the kind of magic that they are. You started teas at safety, but they wanted to play Jonathan. Kind of yeah, we wanted to play Jonathan and see how he did, and, you know, and, and give him a shot. And I don't, I don't have any, uh, you know, observation of that yet right now. But um, I'm anxious to see how he, how he did. Big picture, you got two left. What do you feel? Well, I saw the Minnesota kick the field goal. And that's a good thing, and we'll see what the Niners do tonight. That uh, or they, I don't know when the Niners are playing. They're playing right now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, um, it could turn out, you know, if, if the Niners are fortunate in, in winning their game, that uh, these last two games are enormous for us, obviously. And so uh, we're playing the championship game of, of the season against the Jets this weekend. So that's how we're going to approach it, and we're going to go get get it done. And, and uh, give us a chance to be in it all the way to the end. Pete Carroll Seahawks team trying to keep their head above water. Obviously, their season started tremendously. Geno Smith was in the MVP conversation, but it's been a, uh, a rough go of it the uh, back half of the season for Seattle. Never a rough go of it in the back half of this show, though, because that's when we get to talk to Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick as well. From a, uh, a festive and freezing Arrowhead Stadium, Matt, uh, how's it going out there at a uh, at a cold, probably snowy, probably pretty empty venue at this point? Um, is it pretty empty venue, although a very well-lit and attractive venue, but I've had three cups of hot cocoa today, so <laughs> and I haven't had to leave the, the building since, what, 8.45 or whenever I got here, mm-hmm. so I am doing just great. Uh, what did you see that, that brought some uh, Christmas joy to your heart today from the Chiefs' perspective? Because I think there are probably a number of ways you could go. I, I feel pretty good about this game altogether. I'm I'm riding the highs of a uh, of a Christmas Eve victory where the defense looked kind of low key, kind of dominant. Yeah, we we you know we talked about this like 28 hours ago, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and one of the things that I, we mentioned that I talked about yesterday with you was that this team needs, this, this defense needs to get off the field. Yep. It needs to, to get the job done in the red zone. Just forcing teams to field goal. They did that today. They need to create turnovers. They got a turnover today. They need to win third down. I think they were 2 of 14. Um, I think they were, they were 1 of 11 and uh, third down and 1 of 4 on fourth down until I think that final Seahawks drive. Um, check. I mean, all three boxes got checked. This defense played extremely well today. Uh, I thought they played physical across the board. Legereus Sneed traveling with DK Metcalf was a big part of it. He had a mm-hmm. huge day. Chris Jones had a huge day. Um, when when those guys, and especially Chris Jones, has a big day, other guys usually get some moments too, and that happened. So I, I thought across the board, this defense played extremely tough, hard nosed, disciplined. Not a lot of mistakes. I mean, you could quibble with the flags, but that was it. Otherwise, this defense was was rock solid, perfect today to me. And the the I mean, look, I'm just gonna say that I got to I got to just steal from your notes as I was watching the game today. You said, "Hey, let's keep an eye on on if Legarius Sneed actually does follow DK Metcalf because Steve Spagnuolo came out and said, "Yeah, we're probably just gonna have to double him." I was looking at some pictures on the internet, and it looks like, "Wow, what a stud!" Uh, and ultimately, your your crystal ball had a a five G connection uh, in the future. Watching Sneed travel with with Metcalf, 
what I mean, you you already kind of uh, gave the the inclination of it all. I want to make sure you get credit for that absolute no scope, uh, but also what that was for the entire defensive backfield today. When we I, I saw plays of Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams and Trent McDuffie and Brian Cook making legit impact plays today. In addition to Snead getting that number one assignment that you mentioned that he's going to have to start asking for if the Chiefs don't give it to him soon. Yeah, I mean, well, you know what? When you when you have when you take your best corner, which let's face it, it's luxurious need. I mean, he's the best best corner this team has right now, and no no slide on anybody else. It's not close. It's just he's a veteran and he's really good. Um, you take him and you put him on the on the, the other team's best receiver. Uh, now there's there's not a lot of just dramatic mismatches across yeah. the field. Now you've got you know guys. Whereas, you know, hey, if this was a, you know, a play to, uh, last week and with the same style and all of a sudden Geno Smith comes to the line and he sees a rookie like Josh Williams lined up on DK Metcalf, where do you think he's going to go? He's going to go after the least experienced guy and try to attack that. Um, when you do this, I mean, to me, it just creates better match- uh, matchups across the secondary. And, you know, and, and the guys in the secondary, to a T, were just all really proud and, and impressed about for Snead taking it on. Um, they were glad to see it. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that they they already know him and respect what he can do. But to see him go out and do that kind of gave them an extra lift, too. And I think it elevated their games. Uh, this, that secondary today played very physical, very hard-nosed football. Um, and I think a lot of it started with Snead setting the tone. I'm not sure how much of the time you were in the, the press room and how much of the time you were in the locker room and, and all of that today, but Reed, Reed, Andy Reid talked a little bit about the, uh, the, the Sneed moving around. Obviously, he, he gave he said that was sort of Spags' game plan, and um, hearing Spags talk about that on Thursday is going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm already excited for a Steve Spagnuolo press conference, riding off of what felt like borderline a shutout and ultimately a 10-point game. Um, I, I, I know he'll be cooking again uh, later in the week. But when, when you see that work the way that it did today, do you think that's something the Chiefs are going to ultimately go to more often in the future? Because, again, if, if you or anyone listening missed what Andy Reid said about it, it, it kind of made it sound like this was a case where because Tyler Lockett was out, there wasn't a clear number 2 matchup that the Seahawks could pick on. The Bengals don't have that, but could could Legereus Sneed follow Stefan Diggs in the playoffs? Yeah, that, that to me is, is a really good question. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, I think that if Lockett plays, maybe the Chiefs don't go with this idea. Maybe they do something a little bit differently. Um, but no, Spagnuolo went to Legarius on Monday and said, "Hey, you know, are, are you comfortable doing this? Do you want to you want to mm-hmm. follow DK?" And Legarius, you know, told me, "Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm up for the challenge. I want to do it." Um, so there was no there was no doubt in, in Legarius's mind that yeah, he wanted the assignment. And, and, you know, and that's a little bit different because, you know, remember last year when Chaveris Ward started doing this, you know, he, he'd gone to the coaches and said, hey, I want to do this. I want, uh, you know, and, and that was, we've talked about it. I mean, that was a great decision from a, you know, professional standpoint yep. because doing that last year for Chaveris made him a lot of money this offseason. And, and, and Snead still had some time. I mean, he's got one more year of team control, so he doesn't need to do that, but you know what, if, if he was doing this, I think he makes a Pro Bowl because the guy's mm. having a Pro Bowl season right now. Yep. Um, he just needs you know, this kind of respect and this kind of acknowledgement around the league. So I think it's good for him. And, but, yeah, I think that they absolutely need to consider it going forward. Like you said, there's going to be matchups where maybe the, you know, there, there's two big targets and you really can't pick your poison that way. I mean, you've got to do something differently. But yeah, the Bills, I would have absolutely no problem putting Legereus Seed on, on Stefan Diggs. 
and try and create some more favorable matchups for the other guys. And because now, I mean, this is the kind of receiver that, I mean, if Legarius can do it against DK Metcalf, he can do it against other guys. And I know he gave up some yards. You know, I know he gave up some catches. But hey, when you when you got a guy like six four and the size of DK Metcalf, you're going to give up catches. But I don't think DK Metcalf had any yards after the catch today, because that was the key. You don't let him get any extra yards. You don't let him get open in the red zone, and that's where Legarius locked him up. Uh, I'm going to just take one more swing at the defense just to see if there's anything else that you wanted to shine a light on from that performance today because I'm I'm I've said as much I'll tell you before I you know eventually ask you about the offense. I am far more excited and encouraged by the defense's success than I am worried about the offense's struggles as long as they lasted today and Reed and Mahomes both said they could have been better offensively. We can talk about that in a second. But was there anything else defensively that you thought was a that, that stood out to you there from the press box and and what was ultimately just again I Correct me if I'm wrong, but what to me felt like a great performance that I think they might be able to hang their hat on a little bit if they could do this again a couple more times at the end of the regular season. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through trying to count it because when I was there late in the fourth quarter, the secondary had 41, uh, 31 tackles, and I know they finished with a little bit more than that. That tells you a lot about just, you know, that there, there, there was a commitment to tackling today. Yep. Um, Nick Bolton racks up 17 tackles. Willie Gay has nine tackles. Justin Reed, eight. Um, and can you tell me who missed the tackle today? I, I don't remember any. I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were some, but nothing that stood out. Nothing meaningful. Yeah. And nothing meaningful. And that's been something that, again, this team has been, you know, kind of ragged on for the fact that, Maybe it doesn't tackle consistently and all the time. And, and that's something that isn't opponent-specific. I mean, you could certainly say against a team, hey, their offensive line's banged up, so you know, your, your defensive front should have a good day. Tackling is not that. I mean, tackling is something that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the opponent, it doesn't matter how overmatched they are that day. You either make tackles or you don't. And this team today, they were making tackles. And, and I was just, I was, I was taken that, you know, Justin Reed, I was talking to him after the game, you know, and he spoke to the fact that about that. And he's like, look, you know, we get the fact that it's a time of the year where you have to play like that. And I'm not saying, this is me not saying, not Justin. I'm not saying that they haven't played with that kind of mentality before, but they get it. I mean, these veterans get it. They know that when you get to late December, you get to the postseason, you got to take it up a notch. And I think the important thing is, is that they're spreading that message to these young guys. And you saw it today. It wasn't just the veterans that were making tackles and, and playing tough football. It was the rookies, too. And if, if that spreads on down, then like I said, I mean, you know, Trent McDuffie said they get that message loud and clear. They know that it's not getting any easier, that the football from here on out is just going to be tougher and tougher. And understanding that, it's half the battle. What about on the offensive side? Was there anything that, that during that sort of sputtering time, uh, obviously if the defense hadn't put up that effort, you know, this game probably feels a little different, but anything there that sticks with you as something to be concerned about going forward? The only thing that really stuck out to me, especially after halftime, was that, you know, this team ran the ball very effectively in the first half. Mm-hmm. And this is a very bad run defense. Mm-hmm. And you got a big lead, you know, you're up 17-3, to three, you come out after halftime. To me, I, I know, I mean, it's, it's, it's 2022, all we do is throw the football. Mm-hmm. I know, Josh, you only want to throw the football. That's absolutely correct. Every running play, I scream at the top of my lungs in pain. But this, but this was the day to do it. Absolutely. 
I mean, this was the day to run the football, man, because it was so hard throwing and catching the football today. That yep. that football was a freaking rock. Yep. I mean, you could even you could even tell just how bad the ball was moving because the both punters had the ball move on them from their hand to their foot. Yeah. <laughs> how much do you think it's moving from Patrick Mahomes to Justin Watson? Yeah. I mean, it was it's just that kind of day and you come out the first drive incomplete to Justin Watson, short pass to Juju Smith, incomplete to Travis Kelsey. And you know, you were running the ball at five yards a clip. I, I, it just boggles me. I know, but it's Andy Reid. He's going to do what he does, and I am probably not the one to question him because he's a million times smarter at play calling than I am. So I know I'm probably the idiot, but I would have run the football a little bit in the second half, but that's just me. Last one. What was Arrowhead like on the Mahomes touchdown run, and did you, like me, I am volunteering this information, did you do the absolute stupid idiot moron thing to do and say, I don't think Patrick Mahomes scored a touchdown on this play? Because I don't, I haven't said that very often, and I, I didn't, before the replay, I thought, there's no way. There's no way. No, something. His hand was out. His knee was down. He didn't hit the pot. No way. And of course he did, because why wouldn't he? Yeah, I, 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 I'm surprised you haven't learned that you have to have faith, Josh. You I know. Have, you should always assume that Patrick Mahomes did what he has to do. I didn't believe in Santa. Otherwise. I didn't believe in Santa for a second today, and I regret it, And but I'm back. I didn't need even the whole runtime of the light, of the, the Hallmark movie. I didn't need it. I, I saw the replay, and I went, never again. I'm sorry. I can't believe I even had that thought. I, 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 I think, well, you're not one, you're not alone, because, <laughs> um, and I, I won't throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> But the person next to me said, I don't think he got in. And I'm like, yeah, he, he was in. Because I saw the hand down and everything, and I was like, I, I, I had a great side of it. I mean, even though it was across the field the other side, like I saw it, and I saw the ball hit the pylon. I'm like, yeah, you know, he was in. And then the, the stadium was kind of silent there. I mean, there was a little, little bit of a cheer, but then everybody was like, kind of like, oh, you know, he's like out of the one. He didn't get in. And then when the officials, you know, arms went up, and you saw Mahomes kind of lobbying. He's like, come on, give it to me, give it to me. And then once the arms went up, yeah, place went nuts. Um, I mean, and that photo with Mahomes with his arm on the ground. Crazy. I mean, yeah, that's, that's for the MVP sizzle reel. Yeah. That, that is going to be the play that, you know, why we're not talking about Mahomes being 16 of 28 for 224 yards <laughs> and why, you know, Tuatonga Valoa deserves to be the MVP. <laughs> You you got to see him, you know, do uh, you know one of those over my dead body plays, mm. and that's why he's the MVP. Yeah, Matt, you're our MVP around these parts. Appreciate you as always. Merry Christmas! Thank you for talking to me twice in a roughly 28 hour period or so, and I look forward to doing it again all over next week. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody out there. Happy holidays. You're all the best. I appreciate everybody. Thank you, Josh. Matt Derrick, ChiefsDigest.com. You can follow him on social as well, at Matt Derrick. Again, ChiefsDigest.com. For whatever the story of the day will be, Matt will have it. Yep. As uh, as it is getting dark here in Kansas City, I thought people might want an update on Santa looking at him on on NORAD. Yes, please. Although some people are suggesting that NORAD's Twitter account might get suspended for doxing Santa Claus, but assassination uh, coordinates. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, he uh, uh, was last seen in Ghana and will be in Monrovia, uh, Liberia, Liberia, Monrovia, in about a minute and a half. Okay. Uh, he has. Uh, they've. Uh, they're estimating he has already delivered over four billion gifts this evening. Okay, so. very good.
Live tracking of Santa via NORAD. Thank you, Drake, for the update. Uh, that is what you can certainly rely on us for here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. In fact, with that being said, that's it. That's the show. We'll put a bow on it. Pun very much intended on this Christmas Eve edition of the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Coming up next, you will hear coverage of Cowboys and Eagles. The Eagles in the red zone just a little bit ago had a fourth down and goal conversion that was absolutely tremendous. Gardner Minshew, great play design. And right now, yeah, even with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, look, if he was the Jets quarterback, they might be the two seed in the AFC right now. Uh, But the Cowboys have the football down 10, still with a lot of time left in the third quarter. So that'll be coming up very shortly here after the break on Sports Radio 810 WHB. In the meantime, thank you very much to Dylan Michaels for producing around the building for the Drake being on the other side of the glass, hitting all the buttons and quarterbacking this program. I am Joshua Briscoe. Don't let the Grinch mask fool you. I'm very glad to have you with us here this time of the year. Hope you've enjoyed our Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Very appreciative for everyone who's joined us all year long. Of course, there's still many more to go, but we're feeling a little We're feeling a little uh, warm and fuzzy. Maybe that's just the costume again. Fuzziness at the very... No, warm and fuzzy, I think, is probably coming from the the costume. But nonetheless, thank you again for joining us for another edition of the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Merry Christmas, one and all. Make sure you're asleep before Santa gets there. And we'll talk to you again on Tuesday's edition of The Zone and, of course, next week, immediately following the next Chiefs game. In the meantime, thank you again. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And bye, Mom.